the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Every morning is a new opportunity to take in the news of the day and the challenges of life and try to make sense of it all. Right now, we've got a show that tackles the topics and asks what you think. So get ready to start your day with a bold look at history as it happens. Let's learn, live, and sometimes laugh together. It's the Mark Davis Show on 660 AM. The answer. And a good, good morning, everybody. As the week winds down, it is the final day of early voting. Got some thoughts on what you might do today. The actual primary, of course, along with Super Tuesday is next Tuesday, March 5th. It is the first day of the month. It is the last day of the week. So I guess that must mean it's Friday. Wow! I feel good. I feel good. Ow! I feel good. I feel good. I feel good. You want me to say I feel good? I, I feel, feel good. good. I feel good. Ah! I would not. So good. So good. I think Roger Daltrey was about 19 when this was written by him and Pete Townsend. Mama, my generation, baby. Hope I die before I get old. Well, that did not happen. Roger Daltrey out front of the Who is 80 today. The Library of the Who will be part of our bumper library today as the great one of the great. I mean, when you take a look at the great front men, uh, the great uh, front people, I guess, obviously, Ann Wilson. There's some plenty of women who have uh, fronted bands with with great, uh, great effect. But uh, you got your Robert Plant, you got your Jim Morrison, got your Freddie Mercury. Uh, Roger Daltrey belongs on that Mount Rushmore of rock vocalists and frontman Paul Rogers of Bad Company, underappreciated. But happy birthday to Roger Daltrey and a happy day to you. I hope it is a great weekend that lies ahead for you. Plenty to talk about another uh, another day, another weekend. And then Tuesday, we finally all get to the polls and we settle all of these questions. So many questions. We're going to talk about a lot of these today. We're going to take a look at the competing visits to the border. I asked all week, who thought this was a good idea? Who is running the Biden press shop? Or I mean, who's running the country is a valid question these days when you have a president as um, as ill-equipped as as he is just medically. And I know he had his, but Mark, but Mark, he had his physical exam and he said he's a, he's a, a, a pretty, pretty good shape for being 81. And by the way, by many measures he is, but cognitively and the doctors protectively said, we don't need a cognitive, we don't need a cognitive test. What is this cognitive test you speak of? Well, that won't be happening. And there are a lot of people who think that him on the ballot won't be happening. If uh, Just as we end another week, just the quick uh, the quick bow tied around that. Uh, it, it's Trump and Biden, kids, uh, until something 
crazy happens to to shake that loose. And the real irony was that at this point, as the month of March got underway, as Super Tuesday loomed near, the big question was supposed to be which Republican would be facing Biden. Well, that's that answer has been you know in, in concrete for a long time. It's going to be Trump. And the question is, will Biden be there to face him? Will he voluntarily exit the race? Because it seems to be the only way this happens. Will desperate Democrats take a look at this situation and somehow put people behind the scenes? This is funny. Because you think of Schumer, you think of Pelosi, you think of the Obamas, uh, you think of the people who just just intellectually honest Democrats looking at the situation and saying this is is unsustainable. We've got to do something. How do you get to him? How do you get through Jill? Because one of the, the portraits I had painted over the last few weeks and months was that maybe Dr. Jill, as a loving wife, if there's a shred of concern for her husband, this second term may kill him. I mean, if he heads off to the beach house in Delaware and, and you know, and whittles on the porch, he's got another decade or more in him. The stresses of the presidency. And, and so I've, I've said more than a few times over the over the months. Uh, first of all, I've wondered why a caring wife like Dr. Jill, and I presume she is one. I have little reason to believe she's not. Well, what do I know about that? Uh, Why would she even allow this re-election notion? The president himself said that I want to be a transitional figure to the next generation of Democrats. And that didn't ever rise to the level of promising to be a one-term president. Of course, if it were a Biden president, a Biden promise, what would that be worth anyway? But it, it, it the imagery was that that she somehow, you know, found a way, maybe just, well, this is what he wants to do. So I'm going to support him, which, of course, is a loving spouse thing to do. But now just some, some of the inside baseball is that she loves this. She that on the list of people who are you know, we talked about the people who are at levers of power. That one of the reasons that, uh, that that Biden ain't stepping down is the people who are running the country are having way too good a time because he's not. And I'm not suggesting that Jill is offering up policy memos to Antony Blinken and et cetera, et cetera. But she's she's got his ear at all times. The, the first lady when the president is is this cognitively suspect. The first lady's a big deal. And maybe she doesn't want uh, to to lose that influence and lose that daily rush of power as well. So I don't know who gets to him. Who in the world gets to him? To where he gets on the TV box, a la LBJ, March 31st, 1968. Says, I will not seek nor will I accept the nomination of my party to be your president. Will Biden do that? I, at present, and this is the only way to keep your mental health. Right now, there is no indication that he will. No indication that he will. So go with Trump and Biden until you have a reason not to. I mean, today, tomorrow, there may be something crazy that happens where somebody got to him. And and and, and, and cringe Jean-Pierre stands at that, that press lectern and asked for the 435th time by Peter Ducey of, uh, of Fox News, you know, is, you know, can he sustain a second term and blah, blah, blah. And, and at one point, her answer might be, well, where we're looking at it. She may hem, she may haw. Uh, and at that point, it's like, let's take a look. Maybe something has changed. But until that day comes, until that moment comes, go with what you've got. Go with what you've got. And we've got Trump and Biden. And we had Trump and Biden in the same 
about well, the same place, at the same border, several miles apart, while Joe Biden went to Brownsville, which is largely under control, thanks to a portion of the Texas border where with Trump policies and, and Abbott execution of tough border policies, uh, we don't have people pouring across the border. Trump was at Eagle Pass, which until recently was a sieve which until recently, until Governor Abbott sealed it, took control of that Shelby Park, and now plans to build a military base there in order to provide a good, efficient location for people who are protecting the border to operate from. That's where Trump was. And so, once again, the question I started asking a few minutes ago, who thought this was a good idea? Who thought that, I mean, Biden going to the border at all is a highly suspect example of optics. To go on the same day Trump is inviting those comparisons? <whistles> Boy, hope uh, hope that made people happy. Gave Joe Biden the opportunity to uh, refer to these waves of migrants as newcomers. Isn't that nice? Oh, a newcomer. Well, some of the newcomers are killing us. Some of the newcomers are placing a massive strain on our social fabric, our legal fabric, and the quality of life in the country. Legal immigration remains a wonderful resource for our nation. Maybe we have too much of that, too. We can talk about that once we get the border under control. And one of the questions I have for you today as we wind up the week, I want to ask you a whole bunch of questions as the week winds down, like how has this week struck you? How has this week struck you politically? How has this week struck you in terms of events in the news, the trips to the border? I'm going to say, and, and so many news reports say, well, the border is among the top issues with voters. And it is. And not just conservative voters, not just Republicans. There, there are people who, who are independents. There are people who are you know, center left I mean, I don't think that AOC and Chuck Schumer go to bed at night saying, wow, the border is a real problem. That's a problem for them politically, but I mean, a porous open border is a real problem. But they're just people who, who aren't real ideologically wired, who look at the situation and say, all other things being equal, peel away the R's and the D's, the liberalism, the conservatism, the just whatever, peel away every partisan stripe. Does a country need a border that works? Isn't that objectively yes? And aren't we? as Republicans, on the right side of a bunch of objective questions these days? Do we need a border that works? Yes. Is the economy going well right now? No. Do our schools need to just teach kids and stop being indoctrination centers? Yes, they do. We win on that one. Do we have a crime wave that is poisoning various large American cities? Yes. And we're the party that is serious about that. So on these four massive issues, they are all tilting in our direction. How, how do we mess this up? Uh, <laughs> believe you me, we can. We can. So that's why things like your vote in this Texas primary are important, because it's time to figure out what kind of Austin do we want, as well as what kind of Washington do we want. So let's spend a little time on some of those things. Uh, Mike Gallagher is on his way back from Israel. It is a travel day. 
for our buddy Mike. So that enables us to spread our topical wings and just uh, plow right through. So let me give you the phone number and, uh, and and give you a couple of thoughts here. 866-660-5759, 866-660-5759. That's where you call us. That's where you text us. And we hope you will, because the questions among the questions I have for you today, do you think with, it's almost like if, if so many people start saying it, you start to doubt it. Border, 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 border. It's huge. Congressman Keith Self will join us at 835. We'll talk about the border and a, and a bunch of other things. We'll talk to a documentary filmmaker at 905 who's made a wonderful film. What's it about? The border. And then we'll take a look at, at what that material is. So it's just, it's absolutely everywhere. Do you believe that we own this issue so so tightly and so effectively that that this is kind of a difference maker and gets Trump, you know, a sufficient number of votes to win again, gets a number of other candidates in, in some of the U.S. Senate races, sufficient votes to, to get a Republican Senate, where Mitch McConnell will not be the Senate majority leader. Who will? We um we mentioned this week as as that story happened that the three Johns appear to be uh, have the inside track, and that is John Thune of South Dakota, John Barrasso of Wyoming, and John Cornyn of Texas, which you would think would draw uh just delight from this audience. <laughs> that did not happen. I know there are Cornyn fans. There are people. Oh, listen, I, the senator and I, I've I've known him for a long time. And he, uh, unlike a lot of other people whom I've had some criticism for, he comes on the show like all the time and is gracious and responsive. And I appreciate it. Um, Is he as conservative as I am? Is he as conservative as Ted Cruz? Is he as conservative as I would like him to be? No, no, and no. As such, two things come to mind on the Cornyn beat. And that's one of the other things I want to ask you about is do you want John Cornyn to be Mitch McConnell's successor? Is that an upgrade at that position? And just on the text line over the last couple of days, in the calls over the last couple of days, it's just, I mean, it is a resounding no. That's against that backdrop. Why hasn't anybody been able to successfully primary him? And you know what the answer to that is. You've got to create what's my, you know it, you know it, say it, say it. In order to win a primary, what do you have to create? You have to create or identify a resounding, broad desire to fire the incumbent. And people have been nitpicking Cornyn for years. The number of people who have found him so unacceptable to vote for an alternative has not been close to large enough to unseat him. He's been just conservative enough, just satisfactory enough to, with a large majority of Texans to be pretty untouchable. Now, if he becomes, and this is funny, we've in his announcement yesterday that he does indeed intend to run for Senate Republican leader. I say majority, hopefully, because if, it'll be minority leader if we if we do not succeed in getting a Republican majority in the Senate. Uh, that totally means he's running. Totally means he's running, because for the last couple of times he's been on the show, we've wrapped up. And during the, and during those appearances, I said, so uh, you want to announce for 26? You want to tell us yes or no that you're running in 26? And he very properly says, because, you know, I got to ask. And, and the answer is always going to be, well, you know, I'm focusing on right here, right now, focusing on the job at hand. And that's a decision for another time. True enough. 
Well, it's a decision he has obviously made. Nobody runs for majority leader or uh, nobody runs for Senate Republican leader who's not intending to run again in two short years. Now, if he doesn't get it, and it'll be up to other Senate Republicans, and then we get to how popular is the person. Is Cornyn popular among his fellow Republicans? Yes. Short answer is absolutely he is. Um, Among some, not so much. Ted Cruz himself kind of hemmed and hawed when said, I mean, he said, listen, he's your fellow Texas senator. Are you going to back John Cornyn for Republican leader? And the Cruz answer basically was, eh, we got time on that, <laughs> which is not a no, but it's not a yes either, is it? So um, your thoughts on Cornyn as McConnell's successor. 866-660-5759. Grab a line. And as we face down all these issues, and what would a, what would a Friday show be without a good hot hopping school board controversy? Uh, Ground Zero was Keller. Last night, parents going nuts on a couple of things. One, um, there was this, you heard about this evangelical film crew from the Netherlands? <laughs> sounds, sounds like a, sounds like a comedy bit, <laughs> like a smoke and a pancake. So they, they come in and they come into this to, to a school in Keller and nobody knows it. And they're interviewing uh, officials, teachers, interviewing kids. That's great. Except it's not great without permission and blah, blah, blah. And they may have had nothing but noble intent in terms of the uh, content of, of their filmmaking. But if, if if I learned that there's a film crew, uh, you know, roaming the halls of my kid's school, mm, probably a problem. Also a problem, a play they wanted to put on. And, and apparently it announced that they were going to put on. It, uh, it had some uh, some political angles to it. And it got pulled. And so that's either going to delight some or infuriate others. And so we have that. So we're staring down a a number of issues. And as we do, let's do this. Lord, guide us and protect us as we face the challenges of this new day. We thank you every day for this blessed nation and for your hand in creating it. Fill our hearts with the energy to protect the freedoms which come from you, which our nation was founded to protect. Let us navigate these troubling times with a positive spirit, treating others as we would want to be treated. Lord, these are times of trial and challenge. Lift us as we follow your word and work for a better America where our Constitution is honored, our schools and public spaces are safe, our elections are reliable, our borders work, where we protect the unborn, and we fight for the meaning and the intent of the two genders you created and where our differences are hashed out with honesty and goodwill, and our freedoms of speech and worship are protected. As we face each day's problems, give us the clarity to look around and cherish our many blessings in our nation, our great state of Texas, our communities, and our families. If we follow you, Lord, we know we can get through anything, and we ask these things in your holy name. Amen. All right, uh, let's hop uh, Let's hop into our first break. Come back. I'll have a quick answer to a quick question. It's the last day of early voting. Should you do it? I'll tell you, 725. Should I stay or should I go now? Should I stay or should I go now? Should you stay? Like, stay home, do other stuff today? Vote on Tuesday? Or should you go? Go to the polls today, last day of early voting. Come on, I'll let you know. Should I cool it or should I blow? Well, the short answer is it's up to you. 
But uh, it just it's funny because I continue when early voting started and I said, go, 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 do it, do it, do it. When conservatives vote, however we vote, whatever legal path is available to us, let's do it. That's how we win. We mathematically get more conservative votes if more conservatives cast votes on more days. Now, do I think there's way too much early voting? Absolutely. Would I like less of it? Absolutely. But whatever we've got for crying out loud, let's use the reason early voting is screwy is if you're kind of a low information voter and, you know, you, you vote for Biden or a bunch of libs and, and then you find out, you know, like four days before the election, you see that the latest stream of thousands across the border and go, wait a minute. Uh, I wish I had that Biden vote back for those folks. I like the narrowest possible window of information. This, I liked Election Day. I loved Election Day. Do we not have enough polling places where all of a sudden we just can't do this? Let's let me get into the news with Nikki Whaley. We'll talk about this. But the bottom line is, if you're a traditionalist and you just want to go on Election Day, good for you. Absolutely fantastic. Of course, that's great. But but if you are a conservative and intend to vote conservatively and intend to to go after not just the Washington swamp, but the Austin swamp and you want to do it today, do it, do it. Because they're because out of all of y'all, out of all of you, there's some you'll some of you'll get busy on Tuesday. You know, you'll, you know, I don't want anything to happen to you, but you'll, you know, cut yourself, uh, you know, chopping tomatoes or something. I have to go to the ER. Oh, I tried to vote, but I, um, I lost a finger. Things like this. So, so listen, uh, more, whatever gets us more conservative votes is good. Okay. Okay. 733. Here's Nikki. Sometimes you just need some vintage Aerosmith. Pandora's Box from Get Your Wings, 1974. Pretty good 50-year-old album. On this first day of the month and last day of the traditional work week. And last day of early voting. So whether you're going to go today or and I can't do you know, none, none over the weekend. Well, I mean, it's today. It's now it's officially binary. <laughs> it's today or it's Election Day. Either one is fine. If we get conservative voters to the polls, this is how we win on any available day to do it. So. What what are these things shaping up like? What are the the battles? You know, we've had Lieutenant Governor Patrick on a lot. You've heard Governor Abbott talking about it. You've heard all the analysts, all the writers talking about the uh, sort of the Republican Civil War and the uh, the blood on the walls and the differences between this wing of the party and that wing of the party. So there is one particular there are a number of districts where this uh, plays out in uh in, in District 60, House District 60, which is west of Fort Worth and then way on out toward Grayford and, and farther west from Tarrant County, you have incumbent Glenn Rogers, who's been fine. I mean, over I mean, that's how you, you know, that's how you win conservative favor and Republican nominations. And, and, and but then kind of like on the national scene where Trump broke some people, uh, there are two figures who are touchstones through which. A lot of people's conservatism and attitudes can be seen, and one is the ascendancy of Dade Phelan and the snake-like tactics that Dade Phelan has used to maintain Democrats in key chairmanships on key committees, blocking some, not all, because all the people who are Dade Phelan's toadies who are uh, who are running— uh, properly point to some things that this past legislative session did that conservatives like. 
constitutional carry for your Second Amendment, heartbeat bill, some property tax relief, et cetera, et cetera. Sure, there are things they can point to, but there are other things that just didn't happen, like school choice. And this is where sort of the Paxton and Greg Abbott endorsement trains travel on parallel tracks. In some areas, those tracks uh, cross because Paxton is going after everybody who voted to impeach him, and properly so. Amid some of those folks are people who did stand with Abbott on school choice, so there is an Abbott endorsement that comes into play there. So if you have, if you if you're a fan of Abbott and a fan of Paxton, what do you do? How do you um, square those with each other? And it's completely up to you. If if a vote to impeach Paxton what is a deal breaker for you, then just go with that. You can just Google and easily find the Ken Paxton uh, endorsement list. It's the challenger to everybody. There's 60-some Republicans who voted to impeach him. Some were just not that conservative. Some were, you know, righteously mortified by other stuff about Ken. And others were simply doing Dade Phelan's bidding. Whatever, if that is a deal breaker for you, it's easy as pie to find just Paxton impeachment, how they voted Texas House. Boom, and there you go. And if you want to use that as a as a scalpel uh, to, to cut through that and, and elect some uh, clearly Paxton-endorsed challengers uh, who would not have voted to um, to impeach him. And along with that, listen, impeachment is, is just a thing, but it's it's a it can be a window to your soul because these folks who are running uh, tend to be more conservative, tend to not be as as Dade feeling obedient or tolerant and seek to drain uh, what is perceived as the Austin swamp, where in a supposed red state, we have way too much Democrat influence insufficient attention to some of the conservative agenda. And so this is, these are our choices that, uh, that you can make. Um, in ter- you can also do a Texas house, how they voted school vouchers and see who the folks are. Uh, that, that governor Abbott is some of the incumbents that governor Abbott is coming after. And one of them is Glenn Rogers in district 60 endorsing Mike Olcott, uh, who also has a Paxton endorsement and a Dan Patrick endorsement. Um, and both of those guys were on Lone Star Politics this week on Channel 5. I'm going to play that for you in a sec because it gives you some of the language of how these things are uh, are playing out. Uh, in, in in Congress, in the, in the vacant in, in District 12, the, the K. Granger uh, vacancy that appears to be Craig Goldman's to lose. But again, hello, it's up to you. It's up to you. Uh, John O'Shea is a, is a more conservative challenger there. And if, if the district has gone more conservative, then John has a chance. However, this is a district that kept returning Kay Granger to office. And God bless Kay and her heart for service from mayor to Fort Worth to Congress. I, I love that woman. Uh, not the most conservative knife in the drawer. Never was. Um, and But but so maybe that's the district. Not every district is going to give you Louis Gohmert. Right? That's what I always tell you. Not every district is going to be as... Uh, as, as ardently conservative as, you know, maybe I am. Um, in 26, the, the land of Dick Army and Dr. Burgess for about a generation apiece. Now Dick Army's son, Scott, is running. So is the mayor of Southlake, John Huffman. So is Louisa Del Rosal. And those three and Brandon Gill appear to be, of those four, it looks like two of them will be in a runoff. And again, there are, uh, I just got to just show a little asterisk of love as they would call it in Maryland, an asterisk of love from my buddy Bert Thacker, our Jeopardy champion buddy, 
such a heart for service, sweet man, good guy, smart as a whip. Um, is that the money in the organization of some of these other folks? It appears not, but guess what? Not everybody does. And not everybody who lacks that doesn't mean that they're, you know, an ill fit for the job. He's a wonderful man. Uh, anyway, though, that, that seems to be headed for a runoff. I will tell you if it, if it, if it's not and the runoff at the moment, and again, you know how this goes. If somebody out of, out of a crowded field, if somebody gets one vote more than 50%, if somebody gets 50.0000000001%, you got you got you a winner in the primary. If the crowded field means nobody gets to 50.000, if the highest vote getter is still at 49.999999, then the top two face off in a runoff. And you know when that bad boy is? Boof. <laughs> 28th of May. Blech. I don't know why. Why can't we just turn these things around? I mean, we've all just been bludgeoned with these ads and with the uh, the back and forth. If, if the if the voters' decision does not immediately award something, uh, you know, the, the prize to somebody in a crowded field, can't we turn it around in two or three weeks max? No, we're gonna go through all of March, all of April, all of May. Anyway, uh, if indeed, uh, if Brandon, if anybody's gonna win it. Without a runoff, it's Brandon Gill. And I will just tell you that the run if there is a runoff, which probably seems likely, uh, it'll be Brandon Gill and somebody else. And uh, who the other person might be, I don't know. Uh, but Gill's going to be one of them. And I'm going to tell you, you have conservatives for American excellence to thank. And by that I mean this, this scuzzball group of lying weasels in a dark money pack. And listen, you don't have to identify who everybody is. You got free speech, and part of your free speech is to remain, remain semi-anonymous. There's FEC stuff you have to file. You have to list who a treasurer is. I found who the treasurer was of this Las Vegas-based Conservatives for American Excellence. Lightning should strike them for, for putting those words in their title. Because what they are is a group of rhino MAGA-hating weasels who fear Brandon Gill in Congress because he has the Trump endorsement and would echo sort of the the Trump uh, vibe. So th- th- these are the, the mailers that have been landing in your mailbox in 26. These are the ads that you've heard. Brandon Gill is, is, wants to defund the police. What? What? He's the Trump nominee. How can he defund the police? Well, that's because Mr. Gill has had it up to his eyeballs with the the political biases of the FBI and wants to kind of retool that and maybe, uh, you know, start that whole FBI thing from scratch. But to these liars, that's defunding the police. It is one of the most scurrilous and deceptive ad campaigns I've ever seen. And it's in the process of backfiring. You do what you want to do. And if there does wind up being a a runoff with Brandon Gill and somebody else, great. We'll see how that goes. And that'll be fun. And then the home stretch there going down to May 28th. But if he either wins it outright or makes the runoff, part of it will be the, the backfiring of that scurrilous, deceptive ad campaign.
be careful what you wish for. All right, 749, let me give you a little smidge of that District 60 race, what both those candidates had to say on Channel 5 this week, because it's kind of emblematic of how a lot of these House primaries are going to go. 749, Mark Davis, 866-660-5759. Call us, text us. It's Friday. Glenn Miller is a big player in the uh, way, 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 way back machine, which we do at the end of the 7 o'clock hour. But particularly today, because it is his birthday. Born this date, 1904. This is Stairway to the Stars. And Glenn Miller was 39. When his plane disappeared over the English Channel, he was over in Europe in the European theater, entertaining the troops. Never found. The great Glenn Miller Orchestra. We will let them uh, take us out here in a couple of minutes. But in that couple of minutes, um, so look, I, I, th- 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 commercial these these commercials have turned good people not into bad people. Have I don't know if consultants or advisors make otherwise good people say and do bad things uh, in that House District too. Um, Jill Dutton wins the the special election for the un for the remaining term of Brian Slayton, and um, and wins it by a, a hair, and a lot of Democrats help that, and so Brent Money and Jill Dutton tee it up again, and you go do what you want to do. If you think Dade feeling is swell, and uh, and Paxton should have been impeached, then Jill is your woman. If not, then Brent Money is your guy. But no matter where you are on that, wherever you are on that, that's fine. That's you. That's your vote. That's your business. But. This ad, Brent Money is a never-Trumper. Not anymore. He got better. By his own admission, he said, Trump showed me something. I was wrong about Trump. I love the guy now. So the the, the present tense of the verb is a never-Trumper is simply a lie. And the lie spreads to the good people of Defend Texas Liberty. I'll never in a million years, unless he comes on the show and tells me or tells me privately what Stickland was thinking and hanging out with that idiot Nick Fuentes. Yeah. Boy, that's got tentacles that reach off of it, doesn't it? And uh, that has been used to smear every candidate, every person involved in the wonderful, wonderful work of Defend Texas Liberty. Neo-Nazi collaborators or some such. Good Lord Almighty. That, that's just a, it's just a smear. So we are judged by our voting record, and we should also be judged by our campaign ads. All right, the uh, the District 60 race, let me take a look at that. It's emblematic of a lot of the the, the back and forth uh, in, in exactly this landscape of the Texas House. We'll take a look at that next and a number of other issues as we work our way through a Friday, the first day of March. Mark Davis, 660 AM The Answer. Stick around. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.